0: Hello and welcome to the 36th episode of Owls Americast. We are without our host, Jeff Paternostro. So you have Evan today. Jeff's only excuse for not joining us today was, and I quote, so sweaty. (laughs) So, not quite sure what's going on. To be fair, it is
1: literally humid as. Well, human as fuck. I mean, that's all we can say, right?
0: It's been a rough day in in the northeast of the United States, I'll tell you that much. So, no Jeff today. You have me and you have James Allen in Manhattan back from a, what, one year hiatus from the <laughs> podcast, James? It's good to have you back. What are you drinking today? It, it feels like that,
1: doesn't it, Evan? Um, I I was kind of beginning to feel that I was kind of in Keira Westwood-esque exile, and in fact, I'd been dropped to sort of, you know, not even getting on the bench, and I was being loaned out to somebody, but without a destination. Um, But here I am, which is proof that there's always an opportunity for someone if you uh, wait around for various podcasters to get very sweaty. Um, What am I drinking? I'm drinking a New England IPA from Fifth Hammer, which is one of my local breweries, and it's called Troublesome Jellyfish. Which is just a really silly name for a beer, but it's it's lovely. So uh, so I'm enjoying it. Uh, it's nice to be back here. Thank you for having me.
0: You're welcome anytime any time, Patty Jones, out in Secaucus, New Jersey. Patrick, <laughs>
2: Hi, um, welcome
0: to the podcast. What are you drinking today?
3: Uh, I'm drinking another Elysian Dayglow IPA from last week. Nice. And uh, I'd just like to say that if um, James is the King Westwood of this podcast, I clearly am uh, Cameron Dawson the young upstart taking the old professional's job.
1: Does that mean you're tall and a bit ginger? Sure, if you want to take it that way. If it means I'm 20, 10 years younger than you. you have a tendency to flap? <laughs> Still number one choice. Oh, you young upstart indeed.
0: And I am Evan Skilleter, the Ohio Owl. And tonight I am drinking Great Lakes Brewing Company Burning River Pale Ale, paying homage to the very polluted Cuyahoga River in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, So famous for being polluted, Uh, it actually caught fire in 1969. The river caught a fire because it was so polluted in 1969. Was it polluted with alcohol as it caught fire? That you know, I, I couldn't tell you what it was uh, what it was polluted with, but I do know that, according to Wikipedia, at least the event helped to spur the environmental movement in the United States. So, um, <laughs> it's pretty. It was pretty gross. I mean, it, I know that um, they, they pumped sewer discharge into into the river, um, and I mean it literally caught fire about 13 times. Um, so, just disgusting. But uh, yeah, I also have a an open bottle of Fireball next to me. It's been that kind of day, so we're
1: excited. Do you, for the do you have any, do you have any flammable items, Evan? Are you going to be setting fire to your Fireball?
0: Yeah, I was trying to figure out how to make this work, right? Um, no,
1: don't have, don't figure it out.
3: Don't set fire things. Burning
0: River Pale Ale and Fireball. So it is just going to be a hot night on <laughs> Al's Americast. We have two great, meaningful victories to talk to you about today, and evidently we played today. I didn't realize that until I read the agenda, so um, someone's going to talk about Wolves. Um, We're back in the middle of the table, so maybe on the right track, or maybe settling into uh, the spot we will be in for the rest of the year. We'll talk about this weekend's trip to reading, and... (laughs) and, Please no. And we'll bring up uh, another Mighty Ducks character. Um, We'll also interview Jamie Midgley from New Orleans and go over some Wednesday news. So let's start with Millwall, um, who my good friend Mitch Gatsky mentioned um, in saying that Americans don't really know who Millwall is. All we know is that Millwall is probably a character from The Simpsons. Big chain ups. (laughs) Big changes in the lineups this week. Uh, Matt Penny and Frazier Preston in the lineup. James, what do you think of Joss's moves?
1: I'm just trying to think about if if millwall was a character from the simpsons which character would it be are you talking about like Mill house you know kind of the exactly. quiet and assuming slightly kind of geeky character or are you talking about the bruiser of a uh, nelson the you know the uh, the big guy who's kind of constantly bullying it's an interesting character the millwall is these days um someone's pointing out that you can get actually quite a nice uh, tapas in the millwall area now so i think uh, i think they're having an identity crisis anyhow not having an identity crisis was uh, was wednesday's starting lineup which um so while I was on my surgeon from the podcast, I went to uh, went to the Brentford game the preceding Sunday, which was catastrophically awful. Um, and Yoss clearly thought so too, because he basically changed half the team before we uh, we turned out last week. Um, and you know, I mean, it's easy to kind of look at these things with the benefit of hindsight, particularly the benefit of Yoss uh, telling us what he did. But what it came down to was that he read the riot act to several senior players. He dropped uh, Fernando Forestieri to the bench. Um, you know, players like Padil went out altogether. Um, and he gave the head to youth, you know, he gave, um, he gave Fraser Preston the start, as you said, brought Matt Penny in at left back, uh, Jordan Thornley moved to, uh, to centre back in a black fat, flat back four. And a um, black flat four? <laughs> yeah, it's, this troublesome jellyfish is actually quite troublesome for my enunciation. Um... But the you know the overall uh, result was a Wednesday that came out fighting from the off which we haven't seen I was gonna say we have certainly haven't seen this season. We haven't really seen much of the back end of last season either um, you know playing with some tempo and some fire in their bellies and, and it it was a world of difference from the Sunday previous so I think all credit to him for the changes that he made.
0: I also have some fire in my belly and more every minute. And let's move on. Oh no, let's not move to Ipswich. Let's talk some more about Millwall, shall we? <laughs> oh, we God. had a more confident pressing start, didn't we, Patty? Um, just yes, seemed like we were we were kind of in charge from the start, which was really nice to see.
3: Yeah, Evan, it's it's really nice to see that you got more fire in your belly too. Um, I mean, talk about um, the more fire in your belly, but basically, it was such a um, much more confident um, start than previous games because. And it, it appears from the words we've heard from Yoss this week before the Wolves game that he's really given them a bit of a bulk in uh, with, with, after the Brentford, malaise. Um, so you could see that in his, in his team choice and also see it in the, the way the players are performing. Um, and probably more than anything, Bannon's goal. I mean, what a goal that was. Such a, a good kind of drive down the, the left from, from reach. And then just uh, a Bannon classic. His one goal a season that goes in the top corner Compared to the fifty that goes into the top corner of the stand, and uh, it's just great to see, and it's great to see a whole team rally around him afterwards too. Like um, it seems like the spirit's always been there for Wednesday. I think it's just that they're not really um, relaying it onto the pitch at the moment.
0: It was
1: really interesting, wasn't it? Because I mean, I think you're a little bit harsh with that, Patty. I don't, you know. I think if you go back two seasons, Bannon scored plenty of power drivers, right? I mean, the the goal that he scored against Millwall last week was it most reminded me of that goal he scored against was it Preston at home. Uh, two seasons ago Um, I might have that completely wrong but you know just kind of similar sort of distance similar sort of just you know swinging just hit the stanchion you know perfect top corner strike and you know if he can, if he can chip in with five, six of those like he did in the season, we got to the uh, to the playoff final. Then you know, maybe we get a little bit more productivity out of the team overall. But you're right, the team the team spirit was just different, and it was it was great to see. It was great to see the young ones contributing. It was great to see Bannon kind of engaged. Reach was obviously back in the side as well, and um, I actually really enjoyed watching that first half against Millwall. I know it wasn't kind of necessarily pretty football, but we seemed to just have a better handle on the game all 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 told.
0: Okay, so great first half. Let's talk about the second half then. Uh, obviously, we scored that quick goal. Um, we really felt like we were in control, but we did have to scramble at the end, James.
1: Um, well, it was a game of two, two Tom Lees, wasn't it? Um, so the Tom Lees that came out after half time was the calm, measured, composed, you know, um, put himself about centre back who gets on the back end of a, a scramble in the box to tuck it in the bottom corner, and we all think, oh, that's the Tom Lees we love. Um, and then. We saw the other side side of Tom Lee's uh, about 20 minutes later where for some reason he decided to just nod a uh, a drifting ball straight up in the air into the path of the Millwall, uh, uh, Millwall striker who um, who squared and they scored a fairly easy goal to make it 2-1 and, and all of a sudden it was game on. You know The last 20 minutes was was probably a whole lot closer than it should have been because frankly for 70 minutes Wednesday looked good value for a 2-0 win. So yeah, it, it got a little tight before the end. We, we haven't cut out those silly uh, d- mistakes at the back and you know, actually, probably Lees has been most prominent amongst the Wednesday back four, really, in terms of that kind of vulnerability that he seems to show. Um, I think it just goes to illustrate for me that we need to bring we need to bring someone in alongside him who is a real leader of the back line, because I've, I've seen enough of Lee's now to think that I don't think that is the player that he is. I think he's competent, but I don't think he's capable of of leading a back four. But you know, you'll see something in it, and has made him captain. So um, I guess he he knows more than I do about what he does behind the scenes.
3: I'm going to go one further than that, and I know it's going to be—it's uh, not going to happen—but I think Tom Lee's um, should probably be dropped if we get someone to replace uh, him at centre half, and Thornley should keep his job because I think if you look at pure performances, and if you take Joss and his word by choosing players on passion and ambition rather than their name, then he should be picking um, Jordan Thornley over Lee's. Unfortunately, we haven't got much competition in centre half at the moment, so he has to pick Lee's as well. Um, so for me, if Joss is going to stick to his word, I think if we get a new, a new centre-half in before the end of the loan window, I'd almost prefer to keep Thornley in there.
1: Uh, well, I, I mean, I, I don't think there's any question in the fact that Thornley has probably been our, our standout centre-back. Um, I mean, he, even against Brentford, his you know his positioning and his, his kind of just general game awareness was, was some strides ahead of the rest of the defence. Um, and I think you know you, we've all seen the comments from Yoss this week in terms of just how pleased he was with his performances, not just um, against Millwall, but in the subsequent game against Ipswich, which we'll talk about in a minute, and against Brentford. You know, talked about the fact it's the first time he's asked a junior player to play three games in a week, and and was just so proud of how Thornley acquitted himself. You know, he's rapidly becoming not only a fan favourite, but I think we can all see that he's maturing into a a defender who can he can cope with the pace and the cut and thrust of the championship. So, um, you won't find many arguments here, Paddy, that he's, you know, he's probably becoming our preeminent center back, which is somewhat scary. If you think about where we were 12 months ago.
0: I think that we have a new sheriff in town as far as the back line's concerned. And I think he goes by the name of Liam Palmer. <laughs> Paddy, do you agree?
3: No. <laughs> um, no, not at all. I mean he had a decent game against Millwall, thankfully. And he saved the day at the end with a clearance off the line. Um but no, he's not a new chef in town, Evan. He might be a new Neil and Palmer in town for another game. But um again, he's um he's too inconsistent. I think he had a, he probably suits the 4-4-2 formation a little bit better than the 5-3-2. And we're seeing that from the Ipswich game too. But overall, we need to get a new right back. in.
1: I really, I really tree. appreciate the way that you are just desperately trying to grasp for the the last straws of opportunity for Liam Palmer here, uh, or is that Palmer? I'm, I'm never quite sure. Um, but you know, let's give him his credit. I mean, he he put his body on the line, right? I mean, he he literally flung himself, or or maybe he was just in the right place at the right time, I and mean, he he probably saved that win, right? It could have been two two if it hadn't kind of smacked off his buttock at some point in the uh, the 94th minute.
0: I mean, it, it is true. He Absolutely saved that game for us, and I will be forever grateful of Liam Palmer. <laughs> and now we will switch to the Ipswich Tractor Boys. We pretty much maintained or retained, excuse me, the core from the Millwall squad. New Hugh and, and Zhao were, were back in, and I would say it was a much more compressed game. <laughs> <laughs> sorry game and James don't go well together. It was a much more compressed game. James.
1: I, I, I don't know what you mean, Evan. I, I love playing games. Um, yeah, I, I, so the, the question is, you know, how much the Ipswich game was us and how much it was them. I mean, you know, Ipswich were a mightily boring side and they came and played a mightily boring game at Hillsborough. So, um, you know, credit to them for being utterly dull and just flooding the midfield. Um, you know, at times it was like trying to dig through quicksand. Um, but I don't think we helped ourselves. It's interesting you mentioned kind of bringing Who and Zhao back in. So we, you know, we we persevered with the four-two-three-one, which, you know, personally I can see the the merit in in what Yoss is trying to do there. Especially if we go back to the prior debate about, um, you know, how maybe some players are are, are thriving in a flat back four. The consequence of playing Nuhu as the front man, though, I thought was really interesting. And um, you know, Paddy and I were were in New York watching the game together and you know the deeper he dropped the more he went looking for the ball the less Wednesday had any outlet up front because you had you know you had Jao and Reach basically playing out to the flanks you had no one really kind of playing the the probing role at, at the front of the team and and the midfield was just becoming a swamp you know Bannon couldn't get things going um Palabesi was you know trying to break up play but you know neither team was really getting a foothold and and much of the first half goals aside well yeah, goals plural. Unfortunately, because of the debacle we'll talk about in a second, was was just it was really a non-event because the the game was bypassing you know any sort of creativity. It was it was just kind of everybody compacting in on the on the middle third of the pitch, which uh, you know I don't think really helped anyone. And and I think that's something we've got to talk about with Who. If he's going to play the front man, he has to play more of a link role and less of a, a midfield role. But that's you know it's a conversation we can talk about when we've got every striker fit. I saw
3: what, uh... quite, sorry, I think he saw quite a lot as well, not just with New Yu. Uh, João also uh, comes quite deep as well. And we talked about this last year as well. And you end up with people making runs kind of out of the way and then into the way of somebody else. So quite a few times you saw in the midfield was like, there's Bannon like on the ball and someone would run past him and then you look around and in the way you think a pass would be made, there's nobody there because he's trying to get out of the way to come to make kind of way for New Hughes to drop too far back. So like I say, if one, just by one, one or two people coming out of position, it just messes the whole flow of the game up. So quite often we'd maraud forward looking for a pass and there was no one to pass to and there was no one to pass to on the wings either. So it's so important to have that target man up front that just and then everything else kind of falls off that kind of um, that guy, if you know what I mean? So when Fletcher always plays, Fletcher always stays where you want him to stay, around the 18-yard box. And everyone else just hangs off him in, in a kind of <coughs> nice, kind of coat hanger, uh, symmetrical way. As soon as you put Niu and Zhao ja up there, it, it kind of messes that up. And uh, if he wants to keep on trying
1: Niu, he's he's got to be more disciplined in keeping that target man role. What's really interesting is, and and this is where you know we should bring in the comments that Joss has made. And <coughs> I think it's kind of a, over the course of a couple of press conferences now, where he's talked about players, you know, the difference between players who. Who listen to what he's asking them to do and play for the team versus those players who are playing for themselves and he talks about people who are you know, putting the shift in uh, versus those who are not and, you know, ostensibly we have to believe that the players that are on the pitch now are those that are responding to him. So Nuhu is doing something that Yoss is asking him to do. It's just a bit why I don't fully understand it because you know, on Saturday I was kind of screaming into the void that is the uh, the dark of the football factory in New York and, uh, and occasionally Twitter, which is, you know, get Fletcher on because yeah, I, I just, I fundamentally believe that Fletcher adds more to the team than New in terms of his ability to, you know, as you said, Paddy, link the play and bring other players in, you know, getting the flick on that takes advantage of the pace that Reach and Zhao offer uh, off of him. Um, he stretches the game, he, you know, he manhandles and moves around defenders, I, I think, better. Uh, New just doesn't look as mobile. He seems to me to be going looking for the ball, but. In his defense, he, he must be doing something that Yoss is responding to because he is getting the start on a regular basis. So,
0: something I would prefer not to talk about, and hopefully one of you pick it up, um, maybe, maybe we'll give it to Patty because he seems like he had a bad day and, and maybe he can um, really show us the emotion in this. Can you talk about the goal we gave up and how ugly it was? Yeah. <laughs> That's gonna cheer me
3: up, is it? No, it's not gonna cheer me up. The way we defended that, I had no idea what was going on, um, and neither did Dawson. But I looked at it too, and I mean, you can uh, debate all, all along whether it was offside or not. And it turns out that it's not offside. The guy who um, may have been offside wasn't really interfering with play, but to me, it looked like Dawson had been distracted by something because he was so out of position for that header when it came in that he just looked like he was waving at the, someone in the crowd. So um, yeah, it was it was one of those things. Was, where every, every single bo- ball that goes into our box at the moment is potentially a goal because we have no one that really can get to the header uh, before an attacking person gets to it. Uh, and that's not helping the fact we haven't got very big players. I mean, Tom Lees and John Jordan Thornley back there aren't, aren't the biggest of people. Um, and neither is Poodle when he plays back there either. So I think that's something we've got to sort in the loan window. We need to get a, a big strapping second half in there that's so going to win some headers.
1: You mean in the next two days, buddy? Um... Well, listen, Evan, let, let me try and provide a ray of sunshine before I then smack a great big chuffing thundercloud over it by reinforcing what Paddy's saying. So the, the ray of sunshine is before we we conceded that ridiculous goal, we actually scored a goal. And, and um, if you're an Ipswich fan, you're probably having this conversation about just how uh, Lucas Schwaal was completely unmarked at the back post to, to nod in the easiest of headers from a set piece. But, you know, he, he, he took that goal really well, and, and that was probably the way that we were going to, to break through most, most likely in that half you know what Paddy clearing the ball wasn't the only problem with the goal that we conceded you know let's just run through the litany right we gave away a corner that should never have been a corner so for whatever reason you know Barry Bannon decided that he was going to take on four players in the box and ran the ball over the back line so that was mistake number one mistake number two the corner comes in and then we decide we don't need to bother clearing it and so the Ipswich player retrieves it on the byline then you get the the lack of the block to you know stop the ball coming into the box and I uh, I don't like pointing fingers but that that was Penny he, he kind of gets the interception but it's only a half half block in there and then we fail to clear three headers it's not the last header that they're, they're claiming is offside there are three headers that Ipswich win on the route scoring that goal and you know Jos can see those things and uh, as much as we can I'm sure but that that is why we're going to end up as a mid table side if we don't correct the defence in in this window because. We're going to give up. We're going to give up one or two goals a game against average teams. We're, we're going to really struggle against great teams if if that's the case.
0: What do we? What would you say we're learning about this team? You know, we have some younger guys, thornley Lee Penny, who you know now we have kind of a, a bigger sample size um, to see what they're all about. You know, Patty, what do you think so far? C- give me two or three things that you've learned about this team that. Maybe you didn't know at the beginning of the year.
3: I think what I've learned, obviously, is that our um, young kids are good enough and, in some cases, better than the old guys that, we've, that we're replacing. Um, they seem to be following instructions better than Joss, uh, whether that's because they're more focused, whether because they're more ambitious, whether it's this passion that he speaks of. Um, and I think they're going to be the the backbone of this side probably for the next three, four, five years, maybe even more. Um, I, I learned quite. Co- It's kind of been, I'd say, the reactions to Yoss's uh, interview uh, ahead of the Wolves game uh, yesterday was uh, mixed, but I think in general quite positive. And I learned something from that, is basically he's no longer going to pick these players. So people like uh, Jones and Boyd who started today, he's picking these people because we've played 10 games in about 10 days. But I think those people aren't going to make into the first team for, for the big games and he's now going to rely more and more on on the youth to uh, push us forward. I also seem to be learning that he doesn't seem to be that favourable of Hutch, I would say, or or even Fessy to some extent, and he's happy to drop them if it means teaching them a lesson. Now in in Fernando's case, uh, it seems to have made the impression on him uh, in such that he's gained more game time than Hutch has recently. So I think it's not just about the team I'm learning, I'm learning about Yoss's character as well. I think in the last past week, Joss has come out of himself to be a much more stronger person that maybe a lot of Wednesdayites didn't give him initial credit for. And it's something we begged Carlos to do, if you think at the end of his reign, to just wield the axe every now and again and not pick the same 11 every week that's not performing. Finally, we've got a manager that's willing to put his balls on the line and, and drop some big names. Now, do I think that Forest should be starting a game? Yes. And do I think that Joss is going to get things wrong? Definitely. But I think the ethos he has uh, and what's coming out on the pitch now is better than the first few games. So I, I think that these these people that we've got in, on the pitch, like the, uh, Penny, um, Thornley, Ash Baker, um, these are the guys that uh, that
1: Joss trusts
3: um, and
1: can follow instructions and and paddy i mean so i said i was going to like a rare sunshine a big thundercloud this is kind of like the the sunshine after the rain if you will which is that everything that i'm hearing from yoss right now is that he, he sounds like he's planning for a season ahead of this season right you know, we, we started talking about this season as, you know, and we had a range in our predictions, and most of us were kind of settling, you know, low, lower, upper half, mid-table, because we can see that there's transition ahead. It kind of feels like he can he can both see that, and he's he's acting on it as well. You know, he, he's talking about the fact that he needs to plan for the future of Sheffield Wednesday, and I really both <laughs> respect that and, and admire it, that he's making those hard calls. Um you know, yes, we're going to give up the the ridiculous goals that I I described a moment ago. But the, the players you've just listed off, they they are the future of Wednesday, and that's that's the right thing to do, even if they make mistakes along the way. And it and it strikes me that a lot of Wednesdayites are are willing to tolerate those mistakes uh, as part of their learning journey, particularly because they can see the potential they have. I mean. You know, I quoted Matt Penny as being involved in the build-up to the Ipswich goal, but if anybody has shown, you know, more flair and excitement as an individual in the last week than Matt Penny, I'd, I'd, I haven't seen it because, you know, I think he's been exemplary in showing his willingness to take on a man. You know, his confidence, and touch, in, in you know, his first couple of Championship games has been phenomenal. Um, and to have a coach that's advocating for that and and willing to give them the experience and the chance to to build as a team is fantastic. It's just all within the context of a team that's in transition and and maybe doesn't quite hit the heights this season, but maybe it's in a much, much better place in 2019-20 as a result.
0: So, James, you and I had an interesting back and forth uh, on Saturday morning. Um, first of all, a public thank you to you for trying to lend me your iFollow account for the the weekend is <clears throat> uh, you you mean uh, trying to uh, to to provide
1: technical support? <laughs>
0: See, I I don't think there's anything illegal about that, right? You're not gonna you're not using it for the weekend, and and I've spent plenty of money on iFollow, and uh, my I had I was in a tough situation because my my cards I had I have two checking accounts and a credit account, and the cards for all three of those accounts were triggered by the fraud protection because I follow as a UK account. And so it was trying to, um, it, basically it was worried that someone in, in the UK had my credit card information. So all three accounts got blocked. Um, I sent out an SOS to the group chat and, and James said, yeah, I'm not using it because I'm at the meetup. Why don't you try to use it? And it wasn't working and it was disappointing. And then another shout out, Goes to my buddy, my my good friend Daniel lives down in Florida. I'm um, actually going to visit him in, in not this weekend but the next. He's a big, big Rangers fan, Glasgow Rangers, and uh, he he and I chat all the time about soccer. And he's a Wednesday enthusiast, and I had texted him my problems, and he didn't even text back. All he sent was a picture of his debit or his credit card. It was the front and the back, and then he gave me his address and said, use this. <laughs> and so, um, big shout out to him because it was <laughs> it was only a minute, a minute after I got logged in and turned on the stream that we scored our first goal, um, so it was a big deal for me. But anyway, James, sorry, back to the original point. You and I talked a little bit about New Hugh and how just awful and lousy the first, I don't know, 25 minutes were, and obviously that extended a little bit, but it, what, what do you think of, of New Hue? And, you know, we, we have Fletcher, a healthy Fletcher. We might have Hooper coming back. Um, should New Hugh be starting, or do we have better options at this point?
1: Um,. Gosh, I, I don't know where to start, Evan. A- apart from just you know advocating that you know please be uh, careful with the use of your credit card information and uh, and be aware <laughs> about who you text the front and back end C C V uh, numbers of your credit cards to. Um, clearly you have a good relationship with the Ukrainian foreigner, so that doesn't apply. Um, He's a great guy. Yeah. Your your question, Evan, is should we be starting new here with a fit Fletcher? My answer is no. I think I've I've kind of I've probably trailed that already. I mean, I, I had a really awkward moment on Saturday because you know one of our. Um, one of our crowd in New York is is a big fan of Addy. Um, yeah, she's uh, she's hung out with him. Apparently, she's proposed marriage to him. So um, you know, he's he's a lucky guy, and uh, it more fool him for, for for not taking up that opportunity. Um, and I observed that my uh, my adulation, my uh, my brief moment of uh, of Addy conversion was over, and it was basically because he was flouncing around somewhere around the halfway line and not doing the the work of a striker. and this this is the conundrum that I feel like come in right now. I'm 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 watching a player who, you know, Yoss is telling us he's picking players based on merit and based on the contribution to the team. What Addy is doing appears to be what Yoss is asking him to do. So I have to give him credit for that. I don't understand what it is, because when I watch Fletcher on the field... I feel excited that we're we're moving a defence that he's going to bring put other players in, that we've got a chance of, of getting into their 18-yard box and maybe scoring a toughing goal. Um, when I watch Addy on the field, I feel like we're playing kind of 6s and 7s around the midfield, and that, that that doesn't excite me. So, yeah, a fit Fletcher starts over Addy, uh, as far as I'm concerned. A fit Hooper behind a fit Fletcher, I think, is probably our best combination. A fit Hooper behind a fit Fletcher with Zhao playing off him, uh, i that that actually is a really exciting front line. So, you know, let, let, let's kind of keep our fingers crossed. Maybe if all these players get fit, we might actually have some something really worthy of talking about.
0: And then, Patty, how about Fessy? You know, you already kind of mentioned it. You think he should be starting? Um, well, well, why why don't we just tie it into to the Wolves, right? I think well on the agenda. Clearly, there's not much going on in the Wolves match today. But you know, we talked. We're, we're talking a lot about. Joss's pre-match press conference, and you brought it up earlier. Um, you know he's not picking guys that just aren't giving everything in practice, and and he he clearly said that Forestieri isn't what hasn't been playing for himself, but that um, or sorry hasn't been playing for the team, only playing for himself. But has mentioned that he's um, his attitude has changed. Do you think there's a place for for Fessy going forward?
3: I think there's got to be. Um, but what you have seen with Forestieri is he's he is him, and what's great about him is he'll take the ball and run 20 yards, uh, do a little spin, and then usually the shoot. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily what um, Joss wants him to do for the team. <laughs> but, but sometimes that shot will go in, it'll be a wonder goal. Uh, and the fans love it for that. It brings excitement to the pitch. He's a, a wonderful player to watch. Um, so I can get both sides of the story. However, Forestieri is Forestieri, and he makes things happen. Uh, and without him, <clears throat> without him on the pitch... We look quite pedestrian, um, and you can change games. But is Joss now hinting that he wants to use him as a kind of, of an impact sub? Do you think, uh, James? Because I heard some things around saying that he's, he kind of likes him coming off the bench to some extent. So maybe he's trying to get this uh, to instil some kind of uh, structure and discipline into the team. Maybe he can't really um, place Forestieri in
1: that. He's such a wild card. What do you think, James? To that, it's it's it's, it's the great Fernando conundrum, isn't it? Because um, you know, if I throw this conversation back about I don't know, a year and a bit, this this was basically what we were saying coming off the the sixteen seventeen season that we kind of felt that you know maybe he was an impact player and and that seems to be where Yoss is going because I've heard exactly the same comment, Paddy, he, in regards to the Ipswich game. That's exactly what he did. I mean, he came off the bench and what. Two minutes later, Ipswich have had a man sent off. We've got a free kick, I think, you know, not directly from the free kick, but a minute or so later, we we kind of we get the ball into the box where Zhao where gets the winner. So he definitely had impact in that regard. It, it's difficult because you get the best out of a player like Fernando Forestieri if you give him range and you give him licence. You know, you don't pin him down to one role it appears to me that what Yoss is asking him to do is to play a role for the team, and that's going to neuter a little bit of that creativity. So maybe the very best you get from him is you know, 20, 25 minutes off the bench. Um, but to have our very best, and I think indisputably, our best technical player um, sitting on the bench, and also our greatest asset from a, um, a revenue generation potential, uh possibility kind of sat on that bench as well given our c- circumstances with profit and sustainability that's a that's a very tall order so i i would love to see jos find a way to accommodate him in the starting 11 personally um you know just because he, he you know he's exciting to watch you never know what he's going to do um that might be the reason why he's not necessarily the first name on a team sheet where you're trying to get the rest of the team to know what he's going to do as well
3: i got um so i put a tweet out on. um on Saturday, I think he was uh, before the game because uh, there's rumours around Lucas Piazon and uh, Hector from Chelsea signing on loan, and I did a hot. I said put like a controversial kind of hot take out there. I Said that if we sign Piazon, then we can pretty much guarantee that Forestieri is going to be sold. Like, if not this window, then definitely in January. Which we kind of know anyway. We need to make like 20 million pounds from somewhere up here, but Piazon can play as that creative midfielder. And if we're trying to bring someone in to play a number 10 role, then I can't see a place for area in Yoss's plans. Uh, not just in Yoss's plans, in series FFP plans, because we need to find £20 million from somewhere, and I think Fezzi can make up half of that quite easily. Um, so... It got a lot of hate. People don't like to hear the fact that we're going to sell Forestieri, even though it's just an no opinion I had. People are like, no, no, don't say that. It can't be true. And I'm like, I'm just not having an opinion, guys. It's okay. Chill out. It's not my, gone yet.
0: My, my favorite response to you is, it was the guy that said... Uh... He said, oh, oh, yeah, like, you have a direct line to the front office. Oh, oh yeah, like, you actually know this, Patty. Like, come on, man. Um, that, that,
1: that's a little harsh on Audrey in the front office because she's very good at answering <laughs> our calls. Um, you know, here, here, here's the difficulty, though, Paddy. I mean, look, Evan, you're going to have to forgive Paddy and I because we're, we're playing fast and loose with the agenda tonight. But, um, you know, let, let's let's jump ahead a little bit and let's talk about profit and sustainability because, you know, when, when we talk about the the gap we have to close right and we've got into this in a lot of detail we already know that we're a long way behind in terms of the the amounts of revenue we have to generate and the, and the scale of our cost base so something it has to give one of those two things we have to sell someone or we have to reduce our costs ideally you sell someone who is generating a lot of costs fernando forest being a prime example um, when we talk about the steering group in a, in a few minutes' time, we'll talk about the the level that that probably has to go to in order to satisfi- satisfy the EFL. And we have very few bargaining chips in that, and Fernando Forestieri is probably our greatest bargaining chip. So, you know, I don't think it escapes anybody at Sheffield Wednesday that he is both our biggest enigma, our biggest potential opportunity and also probably our biggest asset that we could make a lot of things right with in terms of the circumstance we've got into. So if he can't be accommodated in the team and if we are looking at other options in the loan market, let's make some hard decisions and let's get on with it because um, it will be painful and fans won't necessarily agree with Paddy, but he is probably the the answer to a lot of the questions that we're asking, whether it's the the question of what the right team is or whether it's the question of how we get into, out of the... Financial circumstances that EFL have thrust upon us.
0: I, I do want to be careful with Pa's on though. He uh, he's been a good player. He's been a, a, a solid championship player. But uh, you know, and maybe we can get into it more if we actually do sign him uh, for next week's podcast. But you know, he he's coming off of a an incredible ankle injury and a very intrusive surgery. So. Um, and he hasn't. We had no one's seen him play since then. So, you know, yeah, he he would be great. And obviously, we do need to sell area. But I hope fans keep in mind that just because he's had some success, doesn't mean there aren't plenty of question marks uh, going forward with him. Uh, but that remains to be seen as we kind of go into the loan transfer window closing. So we'll see what happens there. But for now, we'll take a quick break. And when we return, it's an interview
1: with whoa, Jamie. Whoa, 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 Evan. whoa! Are we not going to talk about the Wolves at home game?
0: <laughs> I still am not sure when that occurred. <laughs> I thought they were in the Premier League. <laughs>
1: oh, Allegedly, we played them in the Cockatoo Cup or something like that this afternoon.
0: Big cockatoo!
1: You were drinking uh, Fireball during the, I think, uh, Evan.
0: Uh, that's or I was on a roof uh, in 96 degree heat. Do not Uh, drink fireball
3: on a roof, 96 degree heat. That's not recommended from the Alzheimer's. Don't drink fireball on a roof at all, period. (laughs)
0: Were you you, you sweating, Evan? Yeah. So sweaty. (laughs) Just, just a little bit sweaty today. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's what Jeff was up to earlier, but, uh, yeah. So, so we lost two zero and, uh, obviously it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot to talk about. Uh, I guess I, I do want to ask you guys, um, I think we have this this discussion comes up every year, especially after a team exits a cup, um, especially early on. But do these matches matter? Uh, what, what do these accomplish? What do these do for you? James, you start.
1: Uh, no they don't matter. They're a training exercise. It was good to play the kids. And
3: it's good to play the kids and also good to play um uh Gary, Fletcher, getting some minutes together. Um I think ultimately it does matter. There's 13,000 people there tonight, which is not a lot at Hillsborough, but for people that are paying 10 quid to get to the door, they're taking a night out of their lives to go watch it, then for those people, try to tell them it doesn't matter. It's easy for us, it doesn't matter. We're all at work and on a roof or drinking fireball. Um, but for people that are investing their evenings in watching Trevor Wednesday play and they just don't turn up or they don't really treat it with the respect it deserves, you get 11 changes from Wednesday, 9 changes from Wolves... It's, it's going to matter for those people but I'm hoping I saw some tweets after the game saying that there wasn't really um, nothing to be ashamed of, there was some good performances and some things to look forward to, I think Fraser Preston got a good, few good shouts out uh, Ash Baker again making himself um, kind of like favourable to Wednesday fans, so some good things came out with this training exercise today and I'm hoping the people that went to the game saw that and weren't too disheartened that we're out of this um, Comic
1: Yeah, no, it, it that's fair, Paddy. I mean, um, I will emphasise that I wasn't drinking Fireball at three pm this afternoon. <laughs> I was in a in a meeting of uh, of some probably low consequence. Um, I, I guess you've got to differentiate between does the game matter? Do we want to win every game? Yes, of course we do. Do we? What does it matter to the people who are in the stadium? Yes, of course it matters to the fans in the stadium. They want to support the club, and I, I respect everything you're saying. Does the competition matter now? Um I, I I question, you know, what the role of the League Cup is right now. you know, I th- I think if it was reimagined in a way that was more um more compelling for for teams you know like us who are under a you know very heavy schedule and are trying to to blood new players alongside giving you know um season players game time when they're coming back from injury and maybe take a little bit less out of the schedule for those teams that are competing in Europe etc cetera, etc cetera. i think you could do something really imaginative with it i think trying to pursue it just for the sake of it being the league cup you know no that doesn't matter in in that consequence because Wednesday aren't going to win the league cup not, not in this current um, setup of the, the football league.
0: It's it's actually funny you say that, Patty. And and right before James started talking, I, I kind of realized that I get I get really excited for every single Cleveland Browns preseason game. Um, you know, we play our starters for for maybe one one quarter, so fifteen minutes total of game time, and then. Um, yeah, you know, the, the backups come in. But as soon as the Browns win a preseason game, we all get excited. And so, may, yeah, maybe I didn't give it enough credit. I didn't mean to shrug it off. It just uh, – there's a lot going on today. And it was tough to tune in. And, and we didn't drop any points in, in the season that really matters to us. And so, wh- whatever. But uh, I mean, we never anyway. took a chance. We
3: had uh, we had Troyari against Morgan Fox for most of the game. So I mean, <laughs> what chance did we actually uh, expect from that?
0: I forgot Morgan. Sorry, I forgot Morgan Fox was on our team.
3: Um, yeah, he came back, and then because uh, obviously it was such a great matchup against Troyari <laughs> that we thought we'd uh, try him against one of the best players of the championship last year. And apparently, after about forty-six minutes, fifty minutes, uh, Traoré just got bored and
1: decided to torment him for a bit longer. And, <laughs> <laughs> like, like I, ca- I can't mic- believe I can't believe I'm saying this, but I, I saw I saw a message earlier on, which, which basically said, you know, Wednesday fans perhaps need to take a reality check. Stick any defender up against a Domitriari, and maybe they're going to struggle. Um, we all have a real issue with Morgan Fox as, uh, as the level of left back, left wing back that we want, and I. I think I'm probably the proponent of most of that aggro. <laughs> um, but I, I suspect that if we put, imagine if we put Matt Penny in there and he'd had a, a really rough run against uh, Troy, that, that might have done some really quite significant things to his confidence. So, you know, in this context, maybe maybe that's okay. Maybe it's okay to put Morgan Fox as the sacrificial <laughs> lamb to the wolves. Let's put aren't. Morgan Fox as the of our young kids. <laughs>
3: that's,
1: great, that's great advice. I'm looking at the bigger picture, Paddy. <laughs> He's expendable. Profit profit, there and. <laughs> <laughs> Morgan Fox. Sorry, Evan, so we, you were on, trying to take us into the break.
0: On that note, the Fox says we need to go to a break. And when we come back and interview with Jamie Midgley, the original New York Owl. We are back with our how i became a wednesdayite segment this time with jamie from new orleans owls jamie thank Hello. you for joining the podcast how's it going it's going well thank you
2: how are you doing good
0: good yeah doing well and like we start every interview here on owls americast how did you become a wednesdayite i thought you were
2: going to ask me what beer i'm drinking didn't you oh <laughs> well, you could start there uh, well, I was going to drink uh, an Urban South Holy Roller IPA, but they didn't have them in the local uh, supermarket, so I got to uh, I'm drinking Goose Island IPA. A bit too, too citrusy for my like, but yeah. it's going down well. Anyway, how did it become a Wednesday, aye? I Go for it. Yeah. How did it become a Wednesday? Uh, I followed the traditional route with my dad. It started taking me in the 70s. My dad worked on the ten sales at Hillsborough for 42 years. And uh, in the 70s, I was born in 68, so by the mid-70s, he was like, started taking me down. And I'd stand in the turnstile with him and, and count all the cash as it came through. People were paying on the turnstiles. Uh, but uh, as you probably know, Wednesday were pretty rubbish back then. And uh, despite him telling me that the great 61 team and all that, it all it'll come good. And then he did come good. Jack Charlton became manager. And... Uh, I went to the boxing day game in 79. In fact actually I've got a question for everybody on the on the panel tonight or whatever you call it. I've got me uh, I've got I've still got the match day program and my ticket stub from uh, boxing day 79. I'd Jeez. like to ask everybody how much you I've got I'm looking at it right now on the wall. How much you think it cost for me to <laughs> and I was sat in the south stand which is the most expensive
1: part Fancy. of the uh, Hillsborough, right? Did you wash your hands after you went to the bog? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, all right.
2: yeah all right see who gets closest how much was my ticket my juvenile ticket for and um, boxing Day 1979 versus Sheffield United in the South stand in pounds and pence four shillings <laughs> <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go 2 pound fifty 2 pound 50 paddy all right
0: uh let's Evan. go let's go 325
2: three pounds 25 Evan. James, did you have a guess? I'm going to go for uh, one pound. One English pound, Sterling. Pound, James. It was one pound, one pound sixty. <laughs> and the match day programme was 25 pence. I've got that here. I can't believe you've kept both those things. Are in good condition, too? Well, I knew. <clears throat> you see, I knew. I was what? How old was I? I was, uh, I was 11 years old. I knew I was seeing something momentous. We beat Sheffield United. 4-0 in front of nearly 50,000 people. And everything up to that point, I'd been watching, like, you know, losing 3-0 to Wrexham in front of, like, 10,000. I knew, like, <laughs> I knew we'd crossed a line somewhere, and I thought, I've got to keep this program and this ticket stuff. And sure enough, we went on to great things in the 80s, and even better things in the early 90s, uh, so, so what not so you- in the 2000s, but... When did you leave this behind? Because obviously you're obviously
3: an ardent Wednesday fan with
2: yeah, a ridiculous well, I left, collection. I, well, I, I, you see, I'm the, Paddy, I'm the original New Yorker. <laughs> I, I, I got to New York in 2001. Before social media like, was, I didn't have a cell phone. I, didn't have the, I used to go to the local library to get me email. But <laughs> So that was 2001. I spent two years in New York where I met my future wife. And uh, I had to come back to Sheffield. So I came back for two seasons, like 2004, 2005. Well, God, that was a bad one to pick. <laughs> yeah, I know. And Jen, my wife, came with me. Uh, well, she came to Sheffield University to do a master's degree. And she became a season to get older, and uh, I got my job back on the turnstiles, And we used to travel to all the away games. Yeah, it was it was miserable then. <laughs>
1: Actually, to be fair, 2005, you, you probably just about saw the Millennium Stadium promotion push, right? We did.
2: We did go to that, yeah. Uh, so I saw them get uh, promoted, and I think I left, came back to the States after that, and I've been here ever since. And I go back every year and catch a couple of games, two or three games. Uh, but I've been yeah, but I've been watching from America for the last uh, what fifteen, fifteen years, uh, I don't know. Somewhere.
1: So, Sorry. Jamie, we can't we can't let that pass without just just pressing that bruise just a little bit harder because um, you you made a, an incendiary claim just there. You you claimed to be the original New York Owl. Uh, yeah. rel- relative to our own Patrick Jones well, who, who will they claim to be the original New York Owls, plural Um, maybe the two of you could just debate the uh, the lineage here you know, <laughs> well, wh- when, when it, exactly was it, the, the formation of the uh, the venerated oh, I was, New York I was Owls? On my own, I was on my own in 2001 it was so just an uh, email at the library, it, that's it, it <laughs> just sending
2: out emails to people who didn't know <laughs> but uh yeah, I mean, I don't, who, who yeah, and can I just clear something up as well, I, I, if I'm talking too much, stop me, but like, somebody mentioned Luke, was it Luke, who drinks in the owl farm now, yeah. which was, which was Harry Boland. that was my local bar. Yeah, Luke, just I,
3: Luke and I, Paul live very, well, live very close to there, and Bianca lived very close to there recently too, another New York owl. It seems to be like a a, a natural kind of um, almost like siren that b- brings Wednesday fans towards it. You yeah. built some kind of uh, myth there, I think, Jeremy. Well,
2: I still don't know what happened to me Wednesday shirt. Like some
3: <laughs> <answers>. <laughs> I never got an answer
2: as to what happened to it.
3: So Harry Boland, right? Let's talk about Harry Boland. Uh, did you just go watch Wednesday games in there? Or did you just make him no. They, you, couldn't,
1: you
2: couldn't watch him then. There was oh, nothing. Right, like yeah. saying, I had no internet. There was like I can't. I, I, I think I somehow managed to get. Some radio Sheffield streams occasionally, but ma- mainly I was just like calling home or getting texts. Well, I wasn't getting texts; I was getting emails from friends about the scores and stuff. It was it was a it was a grim time to follow Wednesday. And that uh, first couple of years in New York. Yeah, yeah. So
3: you had a couple of years in New York. I went back to England for a couple of years, and did you go straight from England to New Orleans?
0: Uh,
2: I went via Florida, and uh, we were we were going to go back to New York, and I came to New Orleans for uh, just a weekend holiday. Vacation and uh, fell in love with the place and moved here instead. So Jenny say, history. Is Jen your wife from New Orleans, or is she? No, she's from Chicago originally. Oh, right. okay.
3: And you've kind of—I mean, this is the, this is the theme that will continue throughout the interview. But you, well, however, you seem to meet, you seem to convert into Chefy Wednesday
2: fans. So Jen well, obviously was the first of your experiments. <laughs> she was, yeah, <laughs> bless it. We have uh, matching Sheffield Wednesday wedding bands. My uh, daughter's middle name is Wednesday. That was her idea, not mine, as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I converted, her. which was pretty impressive, considering you know she was watching us lose away at uh, Stockport and Grimsby and all sorts in those years. Anyway, so that's my story in a nutshell. It's great,
3: man. And like I say, it brings it up to kind of almost, not present day, because when I started doing the New York Owls thing, um, and bringing people together through social media and stuff, uh, you got in touch with me <laughs> pretty quickly to say, Oi, I'm the original New York Owl, I used to go to this bar. I was like, I'll try and track down your shirt for you. I tried to bring it down, but I couldn't. Uh, I actually went to that bar, I think, and my friend went to that bar and asked the same question, and they they had no idea what we were talking about and the apparent naming of it to the owl farm was coincidental apparently which I still
2: think is too weird for it to be a coincidence yeah it's bizarre but uh, well, whoever bought the bar was like, oh, it's a Wednesday shirt in that very nice frame, which cost me $250, by the way. Uh, <laughs> he probably just took the Wednesday shirt out, which was the Chupa Chups logo. Remember that one? What was, what
1: was worth more, the frame or the shirt, though, Jamie? Oh, the frame was worth less. <laughs> if it was a Chupa Chups shirt, it was <laughs> definitely chup's the frame sure. that was worth I'm more, yeah. Say, am I correct in saying that Salvador Dali designed that? Uh, he like, did. That's that's dead right. It was the uh, definitely the most artistic thing that happened in that shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from Gerald Cebane.
2: Gerald Subon, yeah.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So when I started doing the New York House thing on Twitter, so if you got in touch, you um, somehow managed to um, improve from your library emails to uh, Twitter, and you got in touch yeah. with me and said, uh, "Listen, help me find this sh- uh, shirt for me." We got chatting through that. And then, um, when did the New Orleans Owls start? I mean, was that around the same time? What What happened uh, with
2: that? Uh, I don't know. i have just been going to Finn McCool's uh, down here, watching, uh, you know, just watching games. And I think when I follow started, and it culminated with, like, Went and Carlos Kovale and that good era, there just seemed to be a lot of lads down here who didn't have a team who were searching for something. You just saw the upswing in, like... Football and uh, before you knew it, I got like half a dozen lads following Sheffield Wednesday. And I told them, "I'm like, be careful. You know, they were watching us in the playoff final and stuff like that. I'm like, it might not always be like this."
3: <laughs> it was definitely before that, though. I think because um, we were on um, what was it, be In Sports for a while. You wish to get together for yeah. the think Something's been over like four <laughs> or five years, though, right? Yeah. yeah I forgot about Bean, oh god, they were terrible, weren't they? <laughs> yeah. in sports. We had ESPN
2: for which for a year. Yeah. I <laughs> There's a bunch of us. Aaron, uh, Tim Curry, Chris Bloom. Uh, there's a little, there's about six of us. Uh, so, and a few more peripherals head on, but like, yeah, we've got a little hardcore supporters down here, and they're all like, none of them are from Sheffield. None of them had any affiliation to a team. Before Wednesday, but now uh, now they're really into it.
1: Well, they're, even, they're well, actually more uh, <laughs> they're more adherent than I think even we are in New York. Um, I think uh, from what I've seen on uh, on Instagram and other other channels, Jamie, you get you get to pre- uh, pretty much rain or shine, week in week out. Whereas uh, we're a little bit more fair weather up in the Northeast. But I don't know if it's the uh, the conducive some, atmosphere of New Orleans or something like that.
2: Sometimes I've got to be honest. Sometimes it's just me and Finn calls on my own. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, I've
1: always Claire got on the side
2: and Chris and Aaron, but uh, yeah, it's often. Um, in that case, I can Darren see the
3: link you between you and Paddy. It. Yeah, Jamie, I've been there too, mate. I think that's, that's what makes us very similar. We all go to the bar anyway and sit on our own and watch Wednesday <laughs> Um So, yeah, we're actually going to um, get Chris on soon and uh, we've reached out to a few more of the uh, New Orleans Owls and we'll bring him on too. Tim actually was the one that won our Semido shirt, our first ever giveaway for Owls Americas, So I'm glad that went to a really good home out in New Orleans. Yeah, Tim. Tim's a big supporter
2: Wednesday now.
1: Have you managed to get any of them over to uh, to Sheffield yeah. to see a game?: yeah.
2: Chris, Chris went to that uh, fantastic three-two win against Bristol City a couple of seasons back when Cameron <laughs> scored in the ninety.
3: Oh wow, that is a good yeah.
2: And uh, Tim went to uh, when we beat Newcastle. Well, I took him to Bar- we went we saw three games: saw so Barnsley one-one, Rotherham 2-0 away at Toy Town, and uh, and the 0 win against Newcastle. Edinburgh. So he's been to a few games as well.
1: Yeah, actually, when we put it put it in those terms, Jamie, you're you're a fairly lucky totem. Fairly lucky. So there's one obvious exception, which I'll come to in a second. But um, two, two of my happier times watching Wednesday in the last few years have come alongside you. There was the uh, you mentioned Newcastle. There was the Boxing Day game when we were together in Sheffield watching it in. Uh, oh what's yeah, the name of that pub on Surrey Street bit. in Sheffield on Boxing Day night and uh, and we beat them one 0 with uh, Will Evans. That was uh, the place popped at about seventy minutes. That was brilliant. Graduate, but,
2: ah, graduate. There you go. Led my laughter though. I had a sore head the next day. I know that.
1: Shuffling, it's, it's, sore head. So, <laughs> That's a so point, of, point of controversy, that one. But the, uh, the exception, of course, is the uh, is the playoff finalist. But we, we might not have got the result, but I think you, you personally possibly came up with something, which um, which I think is probably still one he's of my on today. You know. he's, he's on a, tra- on a train. Lee yeah. Peacock, yeah, oh, exactly. He's on a train. I think
2: that was one of Lee Peacock's finest moments as well. Wasn't it? Love that.
3: Oh, uh, dear, Yeah. I missed that train journey because I was sticking around with someone else in the bar, but um, oh, I saw plenty oh, of videos it afterwards. Was, it was
2: it was epic
3: and I've got video of it somewhere as well. <laughs> I saw plenty of videos and that, that chant definitely transcended the train afterwards. It was pretty much the or her the entire day.
2: Yeah.
3: Wherever the up was, we sang a song about it.
2: He was doing a cycle round cycle ride round uh, France, wasn't it? That's what he was raising money for. Oh uh, yeah, that? that's what
3: yeah. No, he's a good guy. Lee. we had a good laugh with him that night. Um, all right, so we got some new regular questions we ask people now. So um, I'm going to take the um, the the kind of favorite bar question a little bit more kind of precise for you because I know there's plenty of bars in New Orleans, and I know we've got Fimicals and Mimis who you meet up for games in. But outside of like soccer bars, what's your favorite bar that you'd always recommend to someone in New Orleans? It uh,
2: depends what time of night they're out. You know, like people <laughs> claim that. that New York is a city that never sleeps. I lived in New York, right? About 4 a.m. in the morning, it's pretty much all over, but New Orleans, <laughs> you can carry on all, all through the night and into the, into the next day if you want to. So uh, I wouldn't recommend it, but if you find yourself at 4 a.m. in New Orleans thinking where to go next, you either go to Antiques Bar on Decatur Street or Cajuns on St. Claude Avenue. They're both 24 hours, and uh, yeah, Guaranteed that's good times. Guaranteed good. Well, <laughs> our experience. <laughs> Guar- guaranteed a drink, put it that way. <laughs> that's all, that's all we asked for, Borian. as well. Brilliant. But, um, New Orleans is, I mean, New Orleans. In, in fact, I'm advocating that if we ever do like an Owls America meetup, it should definitely be in New Orleans. Right. I, I think you've got a few basketball. votes for that, mate. Don't worry <laughs> about that. If anybody's not done Mardi Gras, it should be on your bucket list before you die. And guess if we play on Mardi Gras uh, this year? was that? Sheffield United. Really?
0: Mard- is, that- is it February? Mard- yeah. I'll get my tits out for that. one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm
2: definitely there. <laughs> <laughs> what date is that, Jimmy? Uh, Mar- it's the beginning of March. I mean, Mardi Gras day is always a Tuesday. Right. There's no game on a the Tuesday. There was last year. We beat Derby 2-0, I think, as I remember. Lucas oh, James. Oh, probably, oh, my but, but, um, Thursday, the maybe. Sheffield United games on the Saturday. <laughs> Which is always that like Mardi Gras weekend anyway, the big weekend, and then Mardi Gras is on the following Tuesday. Mardi Gras proper, the big day, that Tuesday.
3: So I've got, I've got three more years to my 40th birthday, and I've always thought that I'd spend probably in New Orleans or like Austin, South by Southwest. And I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm, New Orleans, man. I don't know whether to save it for that or whether Sheffield United at Mardi Gras would, would top that for a 38th well, that- birthday
2: actually that's just reminding me Tim Curry we were talking about earlier is coming up to New York for Mardi Gras he's not a big fan of Mardi Gras he's seen too many <laughs> he says, he's going to come up and spend the weekend with the New York elves alright we'll, we'll do an anti-Mardi
3: Gras in New York for him yep. still plenty of beer there yep plenty of beer so um, I know you're going to meet up this weekend you've got uh, commitments but uh, when's the next uh, New Orleans after that because you've got, a, we've got an international break haven't we so you've got a, a few weeks off actually, which is nice uh, but you guys meet up pretty much every week, right? Every week, yeah.
2: No reason not to. And you see the Fin McC- so Fin is our first choice. Uh, otherwise, we will go to Mimi's. are the two spots. And What does that look like? Is a
3: kind of match day routine at, at, at Finns? What time do you rock up there? Is it it's like yourself? Uh, like well,
2: Finns is like the football bar in New Orleans. So uh, it, it's basically got all your Premier League crowd. Uh, Arsenal are the biggest, well, best supported team. Followed by like you know Liverpool, Man U, all the usual suspects. Uh, but we normally get the corner, of the dart room. Where i have to set up my laptop and put HDMI cable in, uh, which is about the limit of my technical abilities. Uh, log on to iFollow and we yeah we watch in the corner. But uh, often we'll outnumber you know if there's no big Premier League games on that day we'll outnumber uh, some of the other Premier League clubs. Uh, yeah, and that's a routine really. Three or four pints of Guinness and then uh, have to leave and be uh, going dad duty for the rest of the day.
1: I Paddy am. can totally not associate with that, mate. He's um, but but and Paddy, Paddy's usually the person who understands to go to uh, to stick a few more beers in the uh, in the account by uh, by about four pm, which I found out to my cost on uh, on Saturday is actually quite a painful day. <laughs> uh,
2: I'd, love, I'd love to be able to do that.
1: James, got... was, uh, James was James was child
3: free on Saturday, so we had a. Uh, uh a regular kind of uh, paddy experience of staying out till 10pm drinking after the game which was good, it was a great day out but I suffered the next
1: day as usual I never thought I'd say this but we actually have it easier uh, (laughs) count out the key stars imagine dealing with a hangover rather than kids it's terrible lads Hangover and Wednesday. Talking of which, Jamie, we, we've got to ask you—you know—season so far. What's your uh, what's your overall impression? I mean, oh. you, kind of, you mentioned the Carvelli era as if it was uh, a—you yeah. know—something in the dim and distant past. It's only twelve months hence, uh, but, uh, it feels uh, like a lifetime. So, so what's your what's your kind of view on on the state of Wednesday right now? It feels like a
2: lifetime because uh, I saw him, I saw him at uh, what first game at uh, Wigan. I Was not impressed. Uh, they weren't. I wasn't. I've not been impressed at all. I, even the last two wins. Uh, They just don't seem to have it. I'm thinking, you know, mid-table mediocrity this season. In my personal opinion, I'd I'd love to be proved wrong. I'm I'm impressed with some of the youngsters, uh, Thornley in particular, and Penny. Uh, And I like the way he's thrown a lot of youngsters in, even today. And you know, they've done okay, not capitulated, but uh, I don't see as I don't see
1: as I don't see as being there or thereabouts to playoff spots this year. So. You're telling me that I need to cancel my flights to London in May and the uh, the commitment to basically sit on the cheap pounds ground with
2: Yeah.
1: Put that on hold for another year. <laughs> I would if I with you. I'd love to be proved wrong,
2: but uh, don't get you know, but I mean I've, I've watched them for like over forty years now and I just don't get the feeling. I might be saying that, they've had the best start in three seasons, right?
3: Yeah, I love that I start so, all the other day. I was like, how bad have we been previously to this yeah. to be our best start in three years? I
2: think, yeah, I think our chance came and went with that to whole City to at Wembley for a while. And It depends if Chance Series sticks around and wants, wants to throw more money at it, but we'll see.
3: I think he'll stick around. I think um, well, as soon as he's allowed to throw money at it again, I think he will do, but um, I think he's definitely a little bit naive at first uh, in the first year or two. But you know what? You live, you learn. I think uh, I think he's got his heart in the right place, so um, I think he'll stick around.
0: Well, Jamie, it was uh, an absolute pleasure to meet you. Um, I, I would say in real life, but um, in real voice. Well, uh, I'll see you down just in,
2: in uh, New Orleans, hopefully. I'd like yeah, I yeah. would well, it to be to be down here?
0: Yeah, I'll bring my beads. And um, no, just just nice to meet the original New York Owl, yeah, the guy that got it all started. <laughs> That's right. And, um, lovely party. chat. So uh, thank you. Thank you, seriously, so much can for, for can coming
2: I on. a last shout out to. Uh, Absolutely. Got uh, You know, Sheffield United sports listen listened to this podcast. No, they don't. Might give a shout. Out. No, it's true. I'd give a shout out to Andy Warriner, <laughs> uh, my old friend from uh, Sheffield, who uh, alerted me to a couple of things last week on the podcast. I was amazed. I'm like, why are you listening to the podcast? I think he's always had a soft spot for Wednesday. His granddad played for him. But uh, yeah, well, that's, a, that's, that's amazing shot. knowledge.
3: I'm so happy that United fans listen to this. So if anyone else listen to as uh, the United fans,
1: please tell your other United fan friends. <laughs> right, there well, is hope be... for them. yet yeah, there's redemption somewhere yeah. in the background, right?
2: Yeah.
1: All Cheers, right. Jamie. We'll, we'll take it. All right, thank you. Awesome. Take care, Jamie. Great talking bye to bye. you. Night. We'll take
0: a quick break, and when we come back, it's news from Sheffield Wednesday Football Club. we are back with some Sheffield Wednesday football club news. We had a steering group meeting. Um, Seemed like only about, what, three or four weeks after our last um, chairman-led meeting. But we had one nonetheless. Not too much to talk about from it. Seemed like it was pretty docile compared to the first one. But uh, we did talk about the break-even claim and, and the FFP implications. And James, why don't you briefly touch on that one?
1: Uh, yeah, sure, Evan. I mean, to be fair, I think it was literally only a week and a half after the uh, the last chairman led uh, led conversation. Um, there is a bit of a difference, I think, between the fans forum, which we we heard you know immediately after the weekend game in the steering group, in that you know the former is kind of like an open house where pretty much anything's on the table. The the latter is a you know it's a smaller group meeting with a, a representation of various fan groups. Um, it, obviously we weren't present um we're still waiting on our webex invitation sheffield wednesday so if you could fix that up that'd be awesome um what we have been able to glean is that there were, you know there were a couple of uh, of things that came out of, of the meeting which were irrelevance um most excitingly uh, apparently there is going to be a pete mckee mural on the cop um anybody who doesn't know what pete mckee is um really question your sanity and, and what you've been doing with your life, get yourself on Twitter, find out about the Sheffield legend that is Pete McKee and all of his wonderful artwork. Um, and uh, I don't know if that's a mural on the side of the cop, on the seats of the cop, in the cop toilets, but um, I really hope it's something larger than life that you know puts an extra bit of identity on Wednesday. That's, that's a great move from the club, if that's the case. The uh, The other interesting piece of news was that the Megastore is stocking up. Um, apparently it will be fully stocked by the end of September, so if you want a Sheffield Wednesday pencil Beach towel. Um, although their beach towels, I'm told, are not as good quality as some Al's America's merchandise, so uh, be forewarned. Or indeed, a cut price 2015-16 uh, home shirt. Then get yourself down there. The the piece that probably is most of relevance to, I think, all wednesday nights frankly, but but certainly to me because I. I Kind of geek out around these details with um, with various other people who like accounting and spreadsheets. Most notably, Peter Lohman, is is the uh, the claim around profit and sustainability. So obviously, we've covered FFP or PNS in in quite a lot of detail recently. Dave chancery is quoted, and I say quoted because I'm not certain of the source and I don't know the full attribution, so I hesitate about the accuracy of this. Quoted as saying that. In order to comply with the profit and sustainability regulations this year, 2018-19, Sheffield Wednesday need to break even. Uh, For Sheffield Wednesday to break even this year, that means that we need to reduce our cost base by a quite extraordinary amount. Uh, So, you know, our our revenues on an annual basis over the past couple of years has been somewhere in the mid 20 million pounds. Um, Our Loss uh, in 2017-18... Uh, is, is obviously yet to be revealed but 1617 was approaching 20 million pounds which means that our, our cost base is somewhere north of 40 million uh, for us to break even we would have to sell significantly and, and obviously generate revenue from that from player sales and also take an enormous amount out of our cost base um and that's very profound because it means that a Sheffield Wednesday that doesn't get promoted this year has to make substantial changes to its playing squad in the next couple of windows. And we we have to assume that the club is well advanced in that planning. So um, things may seem a little bit more positive and upbeat at the moment as we talk about the future, but the the implications of that for, for player transactions... Um, in the short term, whether it be in the loan window that closes at the end of August, whether it be in January. Um, certainly, uh, even players that are tied down to contract extensions that may well be sold next summer uh, is very profound. So um, we, we need to understand that more, and we need to understand exactly you know how accurate that claim is. But it, it, it could be something that we'll need to talk about significantly as the season goes on.
0: Last, uh, last bit of Sheffield Wednesday news. Let's, let's talk about Player of the Month. I want to hear... From from both of you, we'll start with Patty. Uh, who is your player of the month for Sheffield Wednesday this year? This sorry, this month. <laughs> <laughs> I think um,
3: I, it's someone that I've been kind of bleating about all um, all month. Uh, I think it's Adam Reach, and I think there's a more obvious. Um, Uh, pick for this which I'm not going to mention I'm sure James might have a different opinion I think Adam Reach uh, when he's been in the team has been the driving force like he can be kind of like we used to ask Kieran Lee to be that kind of metronome of the side Uh, and and as soon as we take him out everything kind of just drops uh, down a level Um, I think he hasn't really put a foot wrong he shows moments of class some beautiful touches his crossing has been faultless um, and uh, he gets my vote
1: James, um, I'm torn. Uh, I, I have two candidates. I, I, I actually now have three because I agree with Paddy. Actually, uh, Reach Re, Re is probably my favourite Wednesday player just because I think he is he is such a level of class and, and consistency. Um, I think the standout choice is Barry Bannon because uh, both for his contributions. I mean, his you know his goal uh, uh, last week against Millwall, but just the, the quality and class of his play in midfield has been superb. The reason I give it him is just his passion. I mean. Uh, uh, in the defeat against Brentford, I think the the thing that I enjoyed, I was going to say more than anything, but actually the only thing I enjoyed about the football was just seeing Bannon bollocking the bench and bollocking the midfield and bollocking anybody around him who wasn't playing up to the standards that he expected. So I, I think he probably is in there. But the the third candidate and probably the one that I maybe would be tempted to vote for for me is Jordan Thornley because um, I see there a young player who's playing with heart, who is developing himself minute by minute, let alone game by game. Um, who is showing himself to be a really adaptable uh, but capable defender, and 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 I, I think he's had a fantastic month despite some of the the abject performances he's been part of at times.
0: I like all those answers. Um, mine mine's going to be someone that his play on the field has been okay, but I think overall he's had a great month, and it's it's Lucas. Wow, um, you know he's he's signed his new contract. He, he had a decent start to the season. Signed his new contract and then followed that up with a goal uh, almost right away in his next match and I think that's huge I think he, you know he, he was so on and off with with Carlos that um, maybe some of us didn't necessarily recognize him as as a true blue blood Wednesdayite but I really feel like this week and maybe well this whole month he's established himself as someone that um, it, is going to be I don't want to say a Wednesday legend, but um, definitely someone that's going to stand out when we think about Sheffield Wednesday between 2010 and 2020, and obviously now into the 2022. I think is when the contract expires. So um, just really happy for him. I'm really pleased to see how things are going uh, for him after you know, a promising start to his career with Wednesday and kind of falling out of favor, and then coming back toward the end of last year and and, and into this year it's been great to see him so um let's move on let's go to i guess we'll, we'll preview reading right and um it's always tough for me reading because i always want to say reading because down in cincinnati attached to the the city that i lived in was a town called reading spelled exactly the same but i do know now that it is called reading and anytime i call it reading i'm either joking or mistaken uh but let's just say joking anyway i'll go ahead and take this one because um i feel that i've cemented myself as the championship expert especially with my beautiful uh championship preview (laughs) and so i will talk about how dismal reddings season has been so far first of all they are what are they second last in the table so far actually they're second last On goal differential only, Ipswich also have only two points, just like Reading. Um, Reading lost their first three of the season and then drew two. uh, One with Blackburn, one with Aston Villa. They have only scored, I think, uh, three, four goals so far. And three of the – yeah, it's four. Three of the four have been – three of the four, excuse me – have been – from Icelandic forward, Jan Bodvarsson. And I was kind of reading about him a little bit today. And I realized that I actually watched him play one time in Iceland. When when I visited Iceland, this was 2012. And I've told the story of my Iceland trip before. Um, it was a memorable trip, but I sat next to a Wednesday fan in Iceland who introduced me to iFollow, who got me um, really back into my well actually led me into my passionate wednesday following um the last stop on our trip the day before we flew out was at Selfoss in the southwest of iceland and Selfoss does have a professional team and that's where this guy started his career and he ended up um i i can't can't pretend i specifically remember him but he is uh He's scored three goals so far. They've only scored four, so he's 75% of their their scoring this season, which is pretty good. Um, But what's really bad is that they only have two points.
3: Are you scouting? Are you you, you claiming you scouted this guy, Evan? I I did. Being the championship expert you claim to be, are you saying that you predicted this guy for great things in the championship?
0: Great things. In fact, he um, he scored a goal in, in year 2016. And he, he played against England. And I don't remember if either of you know how you did against Iceland in yeah, 2016. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Let's, let's move on, Joey. What's the yeah. predictions <laughs>
0: for the Reading game, anybody? No, no. I got one more thing to say. <laughs> one more thing to say. We, we mentioned Self Foss. And um, last year, when I went in depth about how much I love the New Hugh, we had a, um, some background music. And that music was from Mighty Ducks, the famous um, Disney classic series three three movies and one person in that movie was wolf stanson wolf stanson is the head coach of the icelandic national junior hockey team and i found out while i was in iceland they don't actually play hockey there but uh disney thought they did and so they put it into their movie and wolf stanson is from Selfoss. Whoa. the fictional character of wolf stanson <laughs> was born and raised in Selfoss, according to wikipedia so <laughs> this is uh, another Mighty Ducks Emma connection here in the um, Owls AmeriCast, and I was very happy to, to bring that to everyone's attention, because truly, if this is geared toward Americans, there aren't many true Americans that don't know Mighty Ducks and <laughs> won't recognize Wolf the Dentist Stanson. From the movies,
3: so there you go. How do Luke, we get uh, ready,
1: Evan? Sorry, I'm, I'm calling you Luke. Just in sheer wonderment at, at the uh, the way you've managed to weave a Mighty Ducks reference in. I'm just disappointed there isn't any music. I mean, you know, sure, surely, if I just pad for like you know at least 20 seconds, you could you, uh, you could just give us a you. sense of just how exciting the Mighty Ducks soundtrack is <laughs> and, and <laughs> just how how emotive it is in, in in the way in which you know America identifies with that particular franchise of of ice hockey inspired Disney movies.
0: Well, Mighty Ducks stands for so much. It stands for hope. It stands for underdog. It stands for capitalism. It stands for the little guy working his way to the very top. The Mighty Ducks, in the first movie, they were a ragtag group of terrible hockey players that were coached by a terrible mess-up of a human being. They barely weaseled their way into the playoffs only made the playoffs because One of the teams the whole team got the measles and couldn't participate in the playoffs so the mighty ducks make the playoffs They win the little league Minneapolis playoffs and then are invited to the junior hockey Olympics the next year and somehow beat the world power Iceland Vikings For the championship, and live we the Mighty Ducks podcast. after.
2: Oh, so, Patty, how do
0: you think we'll do against Reading this week?
3: Who will play Reading? I don't even know what's going on anymore. Um, yeah. We're going to smash Reading. them. 3-1. Uh, Emilio Estevez to score the winner.
0: <laughs> yes! <laughs> Um, I'm going to tell a story about Emilio Estevez after James gives us his prediction.
1: <laughs> oh God! I, I'm going to try and both give my prediction and wrap this podcast up. Um, <laughs> easily, read, easily, Evan, you've just managed to give the most exciting, the most, you know, totemic, and and frankly, the most inspiring conversation ever recorded in uh, in media history about reading, which, as I am on record as saying, is one of the most boring flat fucking awful towns in Britain so well done for, for giving Americans a far far better impression of a place they never want to visit than um, than they actually should have um, I think it is going to be a game reflective of the place and reflective of the Skate Stadium which is boring, dull and flat and it will be a 1-1 draw and Emilio Estevez may, uh, may do well to avoid it
0: <laughs> Alright, well here's my Emilio Estevez story and it's not a joke, well it's a funny story but I really want to tell it uh, it's really quick. I was at, at uh, a place called Senate in Cincinnati where um, they, they serve like gourmet hot dogs, Chicago style, et cetera. And I'm eating my hot dog with some friends and Emilio Estevez walks by, right? So we're sitting like on this patio right by the sidewalk and Estevez walks by. And for some reason, I just blanked on what his real name was. And and I am a true Mighty super fan. In my basement, I have posters of my favorite movies, Django, The Breakfast Club, and a couple others and then mighty ducks is proudly in the front displayed and um so when i saw estevez forgot his name all i could say was hey mighty ducks over here and he looked <laughs> and just was so disappointed in me didn't wave and turned back around and kept walking so just a, a complete letdown and uh, a problem for me so so <laughs>
1: This, this um, reminds me of the time I met Bruce Forsyth, Evan. But you're not going to associate with that, so let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Patty, how about you run down
0: some some meetups for us this week? Yeah, I'm yeah,
3: um, sure. Um, we are meeting up in New York for the Reading game. It's on at 10 a.m. on iFollow. Uh, the New York Royals will be joining us. Um, there'll also be the inaugural Cambridge slash Boston meetup um please look at our facebook events page for details there it's at the phoenix landing uh in cambridge massachusetts it's the first boston meetup so we'll get down there if you're in the area it's going to be fantastic and um we haven't got any midweek games have we asked it's the international break after next week isn't it have
0: we got like a week off yeah yeah absolutely it's it's the international break after this so i'm glad we're going out with uh, a bang we'll this has been, it's such, a,
3: such a quality podcast recording that um I'm glad we have two weeks after to recover from this. <laughs> I think our
1: listeners may need that as well, buddy.
3: Oh, wait, wait, wait. I've got one more bit of news. There's another group that's forming, um, and that is a uh, DC, Maryland, and Virginia region group. I'm looking at my phone now. Um, oh, the DMV group, yeah, the, D- the DMV, <laughs> the owls in the, the District of Motor Vehicles. <laughs> District of Motor Vehicles. Uh, we are um, claiming meetups in the uh, Department of Motor Vehicles. You can get a license at the same time as watching Wednesday. Which is doubling down your misery, really, if you're thinking of such a DMV with sheffield Wednesday. Um, but follow them on Twitter. It's owls in DMV, uh, and they will let you know of any upcoming meetups in that area.
0: Since I'm the host, I'll, I'll plug my own group that I've been trying to start, the Midwest Owls. Um, we do have a Facebook page now, look it up, uh, Midwest Owls, on Facebook, uh, just trying to get some guys together, to uh, or, and girls, excuse me, uh, together if uh, we can find a central location for some big matches. If you're in the Midwest, look us up. So um, Anyway, we appreciate you guys tuning in. I'm sorry Jeff is gone, and last time I did this, I got in, in trouble, so... I was sure to find the, the actual lingo for this. Our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow Wednesdayites, Reverend and the Makers. You can find us on at Twitter at OwlsAmericas, and you can email us at OwlsAmericas at com. Our podcast is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There is no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume Al's American cast, <clears throat> Sheffield Wednesday, opinion with an Al's American accent. <laughs> so close to <laughs> nailing it. You're so close to nailing it.
3: Oh, just one word we out ask, of
0: it. Hey, shut up. We ask that you rate and review the show as it helps more Wednesdayites to find our ramblings. Speaking of ramblings, you can leave the show a voicemail on our Dazed and Mumbled line at 1-401-307-1867. International rates do apply, but you can dial it for free using Google Voice. James is on Twitter at Manhattan Owl. James. Ah, I didn't think of a question to ask. <laughs> um, what are you
1: Patrick doing Saturday? If could find the days mumbled line, everything would be perfect about what you just did, Evan. That was beautiful, beautifully recovered. Well done, uh, me?
0: Anyway, what are you up to Saturday?
1: Uh, Saturday, I am going to Pennsylvania. I'm going to be uh, hosting a an inaugural um, Pennsylvania Owls in the Poconos uh, meetup between me and my kids, uh, who are the only Wednesday ice I know in the North Pennsylvania region. But if anyone else is around, um, give me a shot on Twitter. Hey, we can probably double the number of people who are watching on my phone. Wait a minute. Where Where is that? the poconos mate um poconos. or the poconos uh, i don't know exactly how you say it but it's uh, it's somewhere in the mildly hilly region between uh, pennsylvania and new jersey
0: nice enjoy patty <laughs> uh what'd you say
1: it's quite near
3: secaucus which you keep like saying quite a lot
0: secaucus new jersey i love that word secaucus anyway patty's on twitter at patty a jones for talk about music acts that wear skinny jeans <laughs> And at New York Owls for Wednesday grousing, Patty. You really have got the full script. Has he given you the actual script? Yeah, I just got it. Um, should have seen it at the, the beginning of the podcast? Really, shouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, I just sent him the message on on Facebook like two minutes ago in in desperation, and he was on. So clearly, he could have been on this podcast. But Patty, I want you to tell me what your favorite food from the bar at your apartment or housing complex is. <laughs>
3: It's a a bacon egg and cheese sandwich. If I'm feeling really Jersey, they do a pork roll egg and cheese, which is basically spam.
0: All right. And continuing with reading the script, I am on Twitter at Jeff (laughs) Paternopo, and we'll see you back here next week.